Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Jack podcast. You know what I'm about to say and you're probably going to skip forward 30 seconds but I'm pleading with you not to. It's been a difficult few months in terms of people chipping in and keeping this show on the road but it's been a huge month in terms of the new people who are listening. So if you're one of the new listeners and you like what we do and you want to stick around, help us stick around. Join us on patreon.com forward slash tortoise It is the easiest bit of activism you can do on a monthly basis and you get access to our entire back catalogue of over 1,300 podcasts covering just about everything that you've ever wanted to know about. Entirely plea-free and ad-free and sponsor-free. And by joining us, you'll be helping us to keep it free for everyone. Independent media matters now more than ever. Yes, we're unapologetically of the left. No, that doesn't float everybody's boats. But you know what? The right has enough outlets and platforms out there to get their message across. So let us do our thing. Help us keep going. Help keep these mics on. And the conversations like the one you're about to listen to keep happening. One more time patreon.com forward slash tortoise I'm shutting up now enjoy the podcast hello and welcome to the echo chamber podcast my name is tony groves and martin uh we're back talking on on uh on a global scale we've been trying to get around the houses it's been difficult the last little while because we've been caught up domestically with a lot of issues that have been going on but it's always nice to touch in and get the uh the information of, of other events that particularly I want to say from a left perspective that we we keep an eye on and, and around Latin America and, and South America our guest today is is is, is our favorite to give us to give us the upside yeah it is it is we have Nicholas De- Dale Leal back on again and we're gonna have a bit of check Jesus it's all happening in other parts of the world too Tony it's not just Ireland and America and England the the English-speaking numpties of the planet. It's happening elsewhere we, as well. Well, we, we had, I would say, go back and listen. We had a great chat with Joe Pina from the Portuguese government last week, and that was, that was, that was great and a lot more upbeat. This won't be so upbeat, Nicholas, I don't, I put it to you. There's a little bit of, a little bit of bad news and, and a, a lot more really bad news. So can we start, if you don't mind, with Ecuador, and forgive me for my pronunciation, but the assassination or murder of Fernando Villancio the presidential candidate, uh, for what essentially looks like his uh, his anti-corruption stance on things, and, and just to give people a bit of context, he was like you. He was a journalist before he went into politics. He, he you, you, you're, you're a journalist by El Paz. He, he was a journalist. He was a muckraker. What is your understanding of what went on, and and how are we in a situation whereby presidential candidates are being murdered? And forgive me, folks, but don't go check the footage. You can see it's on YouTube. You can watch it. It's not something pleasant. It's done in broad daylight. Yeah. Hi, everyone. It's nice to be back. I'm fortunately talking about this. Uh, but yeah, it is It is certainly a, a worrying situation in Ecuador um, that sort of this, this last episode just uh, shows how... Uh, chaos has really descended on on what was once a pretty peaceful country in the region um so yeah uh last week so um well uh, wednesday 11th of august i think it was uh, uh you're right fernando villavicencio he was assassinated in broad late daylight right after a rally he was leaving the rally and and he got shot as he was uh climbing into his car uh, he, as you said, yeah, he was um, uh, a journalist back in the 90s. He had already been um, threatened at some point uh, in the past for his reporting. He left uh, and then came back uh, about mid-2010s, uh, back to, to to Ecuador. And he went into politics then. And 
yeah, he he wasn't really a front runner in in these elections, which uh, we might add are snap elections that were um, mm. um, convened about three months ago uh, by a president who had three um, uh, votes of no confidence attempts, and after that, he he even though he survived them all, he did call for the snap election because really the situation politically was untenable for him. So. Uh, that is the the sort of panorama. Um, but why why did he get uh, killed is a harder uh, question to answer. Or be, can, be, can I can I one of the lines that I've heard, and again I I want you to finish your your um, your framing of it. But I, one of the lines I've heard is is basically they're pointing at Colombia. Um, they're pointing at great gangs from Colombia. They're pointing at drug gangs, and they're saying this is related to 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 the drug cartels. Uh, yeah, we we can like move in if I sort of uh, start with the really local situation, and as we move out, certain different players start coming into play. Uh, that might be, in this case, the Colombian. Um, the Colombia part is that the killers themselves uh, were Colombians. Uh, similar to uh, as a year ago, I think it was, in Haiti, the hitmen who were hired to kill the president in Haiti were Colombians. So in this case, that's the Colombian connection. Uh, it, there isn't a clear connection with uh, maybe gangs in Colombia. So the gangs that might be related to this last nation are in Ecuador. That being said, the Mexican cartels are also present in Ecuador, and they probably also have uh, something to do with it. Although, uh, as I say, this seems to be more likely something relatively local in motivation, uh, because uh, Villavicencio had uh, denounced some threats to his uh, life in the past week, in the week before that he was killed. Uh, he named specifically uh, one drug, uh, well, one gang that's called Los Choneros, uh, and specifically his leader called Fito, uh, who's in prison, and but he runs things from prison uh, completely. So he had he had claimed that uh, he was at, at uh, he had been threatened. Uh, the police made an investigation and concluded that there was a 97% chance that he would be killed, uh, which is pretty crazy. And they still didn't manage to do anything about it, uh, despite them knowing quite full well that he was uh, in a lot of danger. Uh, but that being said, this isn't the first uh, political uh, instance of political violence, even in very recent weeks. Uh, the mayor of a coastal town called Manta uh, which is key for for drug trafficking because it's on the Pacific coast and a lot of drugs can go out from there. He was killed. There was a candidate, um, a parliamentary, parliamentary uh, candidate who was also killed. And there have been a series of other uh, attempted assassinations and attacks. Uh, in fact, uh, two days ago as well, there was another regional director of one of the main parties who was also killed. So the political violence is really rife and it's really unprecedented in Ecuador. Ecuador had never right. experienced this before. Uh, uh, been, I mean, there is 
pitched battles going on in the prisons too, uh, Nicholas. I mean, there's been prison riots. Hundreds of hundreds of people have died in the prison riots. So yeah. you have essentially you have one big gang and smaller gangs then fighting this one big gang. But it's for control of, as you said, the Pacific ports. That's what they want is the control of the Pacific ports. Is Ecuador now sliding into a narco state? Mm, it's hard to tell uh, because it's more. It, it's not so. There's not one big cartel sort of thing. There, the the kind of power that they wield, uh, I don't think goes to that level to call it a narco state. Because uh, these are gangs. They do have. Uh, obviously, it's a key location recently identified by cartels to get drug out from the south of Colombia that's full of uh, coca plantations, so it's easy to get drugs out through Ecuador. And from Peru, which is also a very big uh, coca producer, you can also get a lot out from Ecuador. So uh, in that sense, it is has become a key uh, place in the drug trafficking. That being said, uh, the situation in terms of, of the power of these gangs is is harder to say because they've also diversified into different type of crimes like uh, they're not only doing drug trafficking they're extortions and uh, kidnappings so they've diversified their their business or entrepreneurs uh, yeah <laughs> uh, learning from probably other gangs a bit further north in Central America which we might talk about uh, a bit later and um, and and the numbers really speak for themselves. I mean, five years ago, uh, Ecuador had a um, murder rate of five in uh, one hundred thousand, which is relatively low uh, in in the region. Well, not very low in the region. Uh, in twenty twenty two, that number was twenty five percent, twenty five uh, per one hundred thousand. So it multiplied it's a huge by jump. Yeah, it's a huge yeah. jump. And and uh, I, and this I, year. Just yes, to show this year is even worse. It's on track to be forty uh, per one hundred thousand. So it's a massive jump. Forty per one hundred thousand is higher than Mexico. It's higher than Colombia. Uh, so really, it is maybe not a narco state, but it is completely uh, being taken up by this this violence. And as you said, it's all in the prisons. The control that these gangs have is really quite outrageous. I mean, they have. Uh, absolute control of the prisons. They have drugs in the prisons. They have guns. They have uh, all all sorts of privileges, and they're running the business from inside the prisons. Uh, and so the mutinies that have happened, we say mutinies, but really a lot of the times they're like executions from part of the main gang, just killing a bunch of other people who won't cooperate, who won't join them. So it's not it's not like a mutiny against the guards yes yeah yeah it's it's, just... it's, it, it, it's 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 a turf war within what's supposed to be the, the prison complex the prison yeah. system um i i'm struck by you said about ecuador um how do we put this being geographically cursed okay because it's 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 a trading route for um the drug trade and we know i i, I go back to um when gustavo petro addressed the un and he and he said that the us and the the need for certain drugs was, a, you know, that was the poison sponge that was taking this. There is a, like, without a change in drug policy in 
in Western countries, this will continue because it's 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 that's where it benefits. I mean, I'm sure Colombia are ready to have a conversation about what we do in terms of, you know, um, drug legalization, regulation and taxation. But they won't be able to do that if unless the US is even even can, can start to contemplate it. But without that, there's going to continue to be more killings. And that's why somewhere like Ecuador um, feels like when you look at it geographically, cursed. Uh, am I am I making a huge leap here? Uh, no, not entirely. I mean, I think uh, it is a recent phenomenon. Like Ecuador has always been there, and they and and the drug trade has always been in Colombia, and they weren't really affected by it. So it's more of a a, a recent thing. If that is the the way that the specifically cartel of Sinaloa and um, Jalisco Nueva Generación, which are Mexican cartels, how they're expanding, how they uh, work, uh, and that they saw Ecuador as a, a good place to enter because uh, they could probably have more control of the routes. It would be cheaper than dealing with uh, Colombian uh, drug dealers or, or criminals who might be more established. Uh, so it's harder to deal with them with Ecuador. Admit perhaps the power balance is is better for the cartels. Um, so that that's probably why they've they've gone into Ecuador more than the geographic uh, mm. situation because in that sense it makes more sense to get the drugs out straight from Colombia than to have to take them to Ecuador to get them out. Yeah, uh, you don't want to have to go down to go back out. But but uh, yeah. if if your if your trade links are better that way and it's safer routes to access to the sea, well then that's what's going to that's what's going to happen. But again, back to the other over, over overriding point. You know, um, we, we keep hearing about things about you know um, American. Uh, how do I put this? Candidates is a is a is a bad word. People who are going to become runners up to maybe Donald Trump in in uh, in the looking for the, the the nomination. They're all talking about you know we need to stop this uh, the, the fentanyl um, coming over the borders. We need to stop the drugs coming over the borders, uh, and. You know, it, they're just not at the same place whereby, you know, someone maybe like Petro is where he wants to have that conversation about what we can do uh, and, and how it happens. So so kind of feels a bit hopeless. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it's probably uh, there's an immediate situation, in, in when, which is in the case of Ecuador, this rampant violence uh, that is related to but won't be fixed by uh, drugs being legalized from one day to the next just because the gangs are also doing so many other things uh, that that might not be uh, the the end all sort of thing that's a debate that obviously needs to be had uh, hopefully more and more heads are turning and and people are realizing that that the war on drugs is a complete failure uh, but it's very difficult uh, politically and electorally probably in in a country like the states or even in most countries in europe to have that conversation or, or to propose that because uh, you're gonna shoot yourself in the foot really electorally so i think it's really tough in in that sense but in in these countries where uh we're affected by drug violence uh yeah that's something to be had but since it's not up to not up to us for uh the north to legalize drugs, then really the the conversation never goes there. Uh, the situation and the conversation politically in Ecuador 
now uh, as in many in in other countries that have that are having uh, problems with violence and gangs is uh, what is the reaction of the state going to be and that's that's where we're at at the moment uh, where you know there's cries for more and more authoritarianism uh, for more power to the police and whatever comes with that but since the alternative is being completely uh, prey to criminal gangs, well, the trade-off for a lot of people, uh, in fact, for the majority of people in these countries seems quite clear. Uh, so it's a very difficult uh, panorama. We can get to that in a second when we maybe talk about yeah, the future of, of Ecuador and maybe that's, get that's, in, that's in, in El Salvador. That's where I was going to come to, Nicholas. They, you know, as as we would expect, there's more calls for power to the police. But we saw, you know, particularly in in like Mexico, that didn't work. You know, more powers to the police didn't work in Colombia. It took a lot more than more powers to the police to work as well. What is going to happen compared to what should be happening? Um. Well, see that right now the model is uh, in the whole region. In this discourse is Bukele, Nayib Bukele, the Salvador. El Salvador's dictator. I'm going to yeah. use the word. Yeah. Uh, well, or wannabe dictator. Yeah. yeah. He, has, he has aspirations. Yeah. Uh, he has a approval rating of 90%, which is crazy. Absolutely crazy. So uh, maybe us, you know, many, many observers, human rights uh, organizations, uh, the UN, you know, everyone knows that he is systematically uh, uh, breaking human rights, no? Uh, by, he's, he's had a state of emergency for about a year, which has given the police and the military almost absolute powers. Uh, he's incarcerated 80,000 people in that time, uh, most without a free, fair free trial. Um, in many cases, I mean, the, they estimate maybe 6,000 to 12,000. I mean, these, these, these numbers are very hard to, to uh, confirm, but more or less between 6,000 and 12,000 of those 80,000 uh, arbitrary detentions were completely wrong. So they, they were innocent people. Uh, Many of those people ended up dead or disappeared. Uh, and basically, it was just there's two big gangs in El Salvador. For decades, they had held the country ransom completely. No, you couldn't you couldn't uh, run a neighborhood shop without having to pay them uh, exorbitant amounts. Like you were left with nothing. If you didn't pay, they would kill you. They would kill your kids. You know, the, it was just absolutely crazy. You couldn't go out on the street. Uh, you know the the situation was horrible. So the alternative of this one year of state of exception, thousands and thousands of people uh, thrown into prison. Many, the majority of them, probably gang members. A lot of them also just innocent people who were uh, tipped off as being collaborators or just wrongly. You know, if you have a tattoo. Uh, yeah, we 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 we've we've a long history in Ireland with what we called internment, whereby just by being part of certain families, the the British Army could arrest you and put you under what was called 
uh, pre-trial um, arrest where you'd never be actually charged with anything. You'd simply yeah. be locked away. And these are, you know, and, and we still, see, and, and by the way, just for listeners' benefit, I think it's also the case in in Gaza and the West Bank and all those type of arrests are up about 50% this year alone in terms of, you know, um, people who uh, are being identified as members of gangs are just been locked up uh, on, on without without being put to, without being, ever being charged with anything. But same same principle. Yeah, so that exactly, exactly the same principle. Um, added to that, maybe some yeah extrajudicial uh, assassinations and and disappearances that have happened that have been proved. Uh, but that being said, which obviously seems so outrageous to us, uh, he has a ninety percent approval rating in El Salvador. Because that because he gives everybody Bitcoin. I'm joking. Uh, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> That's probably an experiment that we can talk about uh, at some other point that hasn't really happened, hasn't really done anything. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that for most Salvadorans, well, now they can go out uh, uh, to buy, you know, uh, something in the corner store after 6 p.m. and not be afraid of, you know, getting robbed and killed or raped or whatever. Uh, so... That's the thing. When when the crime gets to that point, you understand that this sort of heavy hand is so uh, alluring, especially when it has very quick results. And people, even people who have been victims of the arbitrary detentions or have family members who have been victims of arbitrary detentions, uh, wrongly uh, uh, accused of being part of the gangs or etc., even they say... It's uh, it's the price to pay to have the peace and you know tranquility to be able to 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 live my life, you know. Uh, so that there is a call in across the region, not everywhere in 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 Central America, in Honduras, for example, there the government is starting to emulate Salvadoran practices because there is an appetite. From the 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 from society for that sort of measures in Guatemala, one of the presidential candidates is going much very much on that line. The other one is more left is not going on that line, and actually he might win, which is uh, a good which is good news for the region. Uh, but in Ecuador, given the situation, uh, it's highly likely that whoever whoever uh, wins, whether it be uh, an ally of the current president, Lasso, which is more right-wing and conservative, or uh, the ally of Correa, who many might know, uh, was part of the, the pink wave in Latin America and uh, is more leftist, and he's actually in exile in Belgium now because he's been accused probably a uh, wrongly uh, of certain political crimes in Ecuador so you can't go back but anyway whoever wins whether it be uh, the Correista candidate or a more right-wing candidate or an even ultra right-wing candidate who's also there and could also uh, win they're all going to have a very heavy hand the appetite mm. is is there for that so it, it doesn't really I think now that that it, yeah, yeah. I've written, I've written, I've written it down. El Salvador, Ecuador, um, 
I, I were talking about the difference between Colombia, Brazil, Chile, you know, the things that are, the, the, and then you see what's happened in the last week in terms of the presidential runoff, Martin, in, in Argentina. We were talking about this before we came on. Uh, Mr. Mille himself um, seems to be, uh, he puts, like, we'd often, you know, criticize people of being far right. I'd say this guy probably uh, would proudly say he, he shares many far right views anyway. And some of the things he's, some of the statements he's made, Nicholas, should we be worried? And, and, and can he win? He, he got 30% of the of the vote in the runoff. Uh, he can win. He can win. There's no doubt about it. Uh, there's quite a bit of panic in in Argentina and in the region. Uh, this that 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 debate that election is more uh, played out on economics, yeah, rather than security. Although security has a big uh, part to play, uh, specifically in that there is quite a bit of rising crime in Argentina, obviously related to the dire economic situation. But this sort of crime is mainly uh, robbings in the street, no? So. In Argentina has become very insecure in that sense, and the reaction of Millet in security measures, specifically in line with his ultra-liberal uh, and well, he calls well anarcho-capitalist view of the world uh, of free gun, uh, well, no gun control now, so to let people have guns so that they can defend themselves from muggers, sort of thing. That would be. Uh, but the, there's no talk of sort of like heavy hand sort of thing like Bukele or what the debate is in Ecuador now because the situation isn't really uh, on those terms. It's more the absolutely terrible economic situation that Argentina is in where 60% of the population is living in poverty at the moment. Uh, inflation continues to be consistently over 100%. Uh, the devaluation of the peso against the dollar is week by week uh, unstoppable. Uh, and with Millet's win, it was uh, quickly felt there was a 25% devaluation. The central bank tried to, to keep that under control by putting 18% more on interest rates, uh, which are now at 118. So just so you can imagine... In in our economies, where where you know the big news is we get a zero point twenty five percent hike. You know that the Fed puts it up to that, and so it's four four fifty. But in Argentina, it's one hundred and eighteen percent interest rate. Uh, the economy is uh, uh, an animal that is cannot be tamed in in, in Argentina. But there's two there's two economies. As we we spoke to um, Brendan Ogle had um uh, trade unionist and activist was was in Argentina for la- for a few months uh, earlier this year and he came back and very much like what you were saying just there he you know in the streets where the what we would call in 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 our context the black economy where everybody is is working in this, this that that economy people were doing okay. They weren't it wasn't brilliant but it was they were doing okay. Uh, whereas in the in the in the real world of GDP and all of these figures, they are absolutely screwed. <laughs> um, uh, but but I, I I don't want to labour the point. The guy has has crazy views. He thinks we should have the seller organs. We thinks kids should be uh, available in the marketplace. He thinks um, he's and yet he's what uh, he's yet he goes on the no no he doesn't believe in abortion. 
Um, yeah, that's right. So it, that that one is uh, uh, very strange, but it seems to be more uh, because he that abortion is a very uh, controversial topic in Argentina, as in many places. Mm. So uh, I think that's more an, an electoral uh, calculation uh, because it makes more sense for him ideologically with his whole this whole worldview to mm. be a uh, uh, pro-choice, let's say, but. Uh, he doesn't because he knows if he did that, he'd probably lose a big amount of, of votes in that conservative right, which he doesn't, he's not really a part of, because he's a complete outsider, to be honest. I mean, he's a nut job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not part of, of, of any political establishment whatsoever. So he knows that he, he does need that to, to play his cards well. That being said, uh, Perhaps that's the only thing that he can he can uh, that he has to sort of fit into established lines. The rest he can say what he wants, and people are being responsive. So, in his anarcho-capitalist uh, ideals, he's hoping if he gets into power to eliminate. I don't know if it's uh, two thirds of existing ministries because they are superfluous, including the Ministry of Education, the Ministry of Science, the Ministry of Equality. So basically, well, he believes uh, in this, you know, tiny state, uh, which should only be uh, uh, should only be concerned with justice it's, it's, and security. So those would be the only ministries that would be maintained, the Ministry of Justice, of Interior, and... Um, yeah, but that's, that's and, every anarcho-capitalist ever... Um, what they would like to do is have all the wealth and then have just have justice, but but Martin, and security it, it, to protect. I need them. to I need to make it a point because again, I keep going back to. I feel like I'm. Yeah, I am picking on the US. Much of the um, much of the problems in in economies like Argentina are bred from US debt um, structures, hedge funds, companies that went in, yeah. took over um, took over natural resources and stripped the place dry and left them with, with none of these things and then jacked up the interest rates to take the money out. So, you know, it, it is very much a case whereby um, the answer to hyper-capitalism isn't going to be ultra-hyper-capitalism, but let's uh, let's just see what... Well, I, I suppose the answer for for it you know, take the lesson from Ireland. Latin American countries should really take the lesson from Ireland that a hundred years past the point we're still fighting uh, colonialism or 200 years past the point, it, we are still a, a subservient po uh, population. We we still doff our caps to those in authority. We, we still um, clamour for inter international recognition of our tiny little country and we all get so pleased I, about it. Some we had we had a, we had bad news, and I, I actually I, I was reading the article before we came on. We had some bad news for Ireland because obviously our economy is supposed to be the envy of the world, but we've fallen to the ninth um, ninth biggest tax haven in the world at the moment. So we fall all the way to ninth. Like it's terrible for us. I mean, we must be. It's mortified. It's, it's I, mean, really... I absolutely blame the fact that Fianna Fáil would not give in and leave the right man in the job in finance and there he is having to jump in at a breakfast due to record to, to save Look, Neil Richards. We, 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 we're getting away from it, but the fact is, okay. Ireland, Ireland, uh, but Ireland, no, but Ireland does play a, a big part in this. Yes. When you, when funds leave other countries, they have to go through other other places to be washed, and Ireland is the ninth biggest 
but the UK has put us in the halfpenny place, which um, we're not. We're, we we always like to, you know, we don't like our nearest neighbor like that. So we don't like being behind them. So I just think it, it actually is crazy. Our, like population, what Martin? Five point two million people, and the ninth biggest uh, tax saving in the world. Pretty impressive. I hate the idea of leaving it on on uh, a day. Oh, I, I, have some, I have some positives. So I, I was just going to say, like when we we look at, particularly in Brazil, and that there has been some great developments recently in Brazil where no more trees will be taken out of the Amazon off after a certain period, that there is really hope for the region, necklace, and that it can lead the way and not just follow the West. Uh, there is hope of that, but I have to say... Uh, tame, tame. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the elections are so divided that really, as as they as they come and go, you know, because there's always elections happening. Now we've got Guatemala coming up very soon, uh, Ecuador coming up very soon, Argentina is also this year, so they're all sort of happening uh, all the time. Uh, so it is, it is very much could it could go either way. You know, uh, Lula was was great news uh, indeed. But if Millet comes in, then that really is going to be very tough. Uh, and we've got the American elections next year. So uh, again, and again, that's, un- I don't think it, it's, I can't call it at, at all. You'd be a fool to call that one at this stage. Um, yeah. And and But when you talk about, Mar- I do think Martin's right that, that Lula's promise of, of what he's calling a new Amazon dream is really good. It, the world um, should be getting behind it, should be making a bigger deal of it. I, I say they, they don't make such a big deal of it because he proudly said at a meeting that someone tried to insult him by calling him a socialist communist. He says, but I am, and had a good laugh, you know. Um, but I also think, you know, back to Petro in, in Colombia, his, was it his son um, was, was uh, caught being, uh, for corruption? Not a nice look. Yes, the president did take did take steps and say no. He's going to jail for it, didn't he? He he. Well, it's uh, it's really a. Uh, Go on, give me the bad. Oh, I'm trying to be good, and you're going to tell me how bad it is. Go. No, no, no. This, this one's uh, just a a soap opera, really, uh, situation. But yeah, so his son was was accused of of corruption uh, within the presidential campaign last year. So that's how it yeah. sort of uh, tainted Petro himself. Uh, Petro has distanced himself and said he didn't know anything about it. He's saying, you know, let the investigation go. If he's done anything, he has to pay, etc. But it it is a, a pretty bad look, regardless. Uh, and in that sense, for example, Petro, uh, he has obviously uh, great ambitions, but it's proving to be harder to achieve uh, than initially thought. Just politically, really. It- in terms of how he's managing Congress and parliamentary politics to get things through. Uh, And so that's the thing, you know, uh, we might have uh, all these these big ambitions of having yeah uh, so you've won, you've, you've, won the, you've won the election but you can't actually get any you can't implement any of your policies exactly it's similar to in Chile as well for example no yeah. which is quite a uh, a bright light in the region in terms of 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 what he says and what he thinks but in terms of what he can actually do in Chile it's highly highly limited so uh, I think even in terms of if the left wins elections. Uh, if they don't have the parliamentary power to to push on, it's going to be difficult. Uh, so it it's hard to say uh, with great optimism. Uh, I do have hope. I always have hope, but uh, it is hard to 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 see very clearly 
uh, anything like materializing in the in the short term just because uh, the local politics are so complicated in each context uh, and at the end that's what takes precedent uh, in terms of getting things uh, going and and making things happen last question from me Nicholas climate change uh, how how big does that feature in the politics across the region mm, well it is it is bigger and bigger uh, but as in many developing countries there's this uh, idea uh, and sense that why would why do we have to pay put the bill for for uh, for climate change when well we're not the biggest polluters far from it and well actually we're probably some of the most affected no Central America for example is is one of the front lines and and they are in a very tough situation but as I said maybe in in Central America for example it isn't uh, 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 one of the biggest topics just because security is is so much more pressing uh, and poverty is so much more pressing well it's hard so, it's hard to worry about temperatures going up if if you can't put food on your table on your plate like exactly exactly so so uh really there's only pedro and lula talking about climate change consistently in the region uh in the rest of the countries it's far less in mexico for example uh the president it's a non-topic at all uh uh and and there's no interest really in that they don't they're not they're not uh denying climate change but it's just not a political topic that's on the table uh whatsoever so uh obviously the the amazon alliance and that is that is very important obviously uh and i think with lula uh spearheading that there's a good chance of that uh, having good results in colombia Petro has already had good results in stopping uh, deforestation. Lula has a great track record in that as well. So that's something concrete that is good. Uh, but, you know, as we know, this problem is so big that uh, really talking about, I don't know, transitioning economies, that sort of thing that would be more ambitious, that's not really on the table as, as of now. Uh, we'd probably need a lot more, you know, uh, uh, help and funding from uh, uh, the states and Europe. So just debt, would... right, right off a lot of debt, and let's get this party started. That's where it, has yeah. the, it can't be. We cannot die. We cannot have people dying for the sake of debt. That means nothing. But anyway, go. Sorry. No, no, no. And that that's exactly that's exactly right. So until that happens, it's very hard for Latin American countries to to take initiative there, just because. They can't. It's not. It's not viable. They don't have the resources to do so to transition. And uh, the 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 priority is, you know, growing the economy, getting people out of out of can, poverty. Can, can I make one last point on the money because it is important that when the IMF were involved in Ireland's bailout, even though we're an economic miracle, it's not that long ago we were bailed out by the IMF and and the EU and even the UK had to throw us a few quid. They gave us much better, like preferential rates, I think about four times less than what they were given typically to Latin American or South American countries. So let's not doubt this for a moment that, you know, um, they treat 
countries with people who have uh, I was going to say my skin colour but I'm, I, I have a big red face on me but more Martin skin colour than, 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 than they do where people have countries that have brown skins and that's that's actually a fact that, that's the facts bear yeah. that out yeah no that's 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 definitely true and that is another part of re- the reality of 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 the geopolitical power and economic power uh, in in America but yeah all over the world and so that 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 is a position where they're in and and in that sense again Lula is a leader who can or who's playing uh, his cards to try and break that as much as possible it might be highly criticized and and demonized by the west no with him having contact with China and and really playing both fields uh so much uh but i think in that sense it just shows that he's not going to kneel to the west as they have done so for decades uh and but it is that then that just goes into this new uh sort of geopolitical reality in the world uh that is also very very interesting but or polarizing yeah, but probably not uh, in the scope of today's conversation. <laughs> Nicholas Daly, thank you very much for coming on and having this conversation. We do like to keep our toes in the water and we do like to find out what's happening around the world. Um, I would say I probably differ from your opinion on one thing. I do think that the impetus of for climate action will change politics around the world and the idea that there's nobody there at the moment who has the power or even the support to take that on and nobody exists but they will and they will and i think there's nothing surer than they will nicholas day leo thank you very much no thank you guys i hope you're right martin and thanks for having me as always an absolute pleasure i just want to finish with a quote i can't remember who said it but they said it's the good news is hope has been found, but the bad news is she won't come back without a fight. Keep fighting, folks. Keep fighting. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye bye. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.